0: Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bath. Chris, there's a, a special place in the hell for any foreign leader that engages in bad faith diplomacy with President Donald J. Trump and then tries to stab him in the back on the way out the door. And that's what bad faith Justin Trudeau did with that stunt press conference. That's what weak, dishonest Justin Trudeau did. And that comes right from Air Force One. There are 110 active fires in Quebec. Almost 1,200 people from Cree communities across the northern part of the province have fled their homes due to wildfires and smoke. The return of residents of. Hey, Peter K. Navarro in for the Admiral, Stephen K. Bannon. Uh, great to be with you today. Uh, I've got a really special, special guest that's going to come on um, in what we call the B block in, in just a few minutes. But I wanted to um, start off the show with a couple of things. (laughs) That clip um, of me talking about a special place in Trudeau, uh, in hell for uh, Justin Trudeau, the prime minister of Canada, juxtaposed with what the hell we have now in Canada with the forest fires burning, which in turn are making our life hell here, downwind um, in the United States, I thought was was an interesting juxtaposition. Um, there was more than a few times I almost got fired um, when I was at the White House I, I was only one of three guys that lasted the whole time from the campaign to the end but that one that one seemed to hit a nerve but but the reality is i don't I don't regret saying that at all because what we have is people like Trudeau macron and france uh, they loved to tweak the nose of the United States, Um, and that particular incident was particularly disrespectful to President Trump because no no more was he heading out of airspace in Canada from the G20 than than, uh, Trudeau started mouthing off. But uh, the reason why I just want to comment briefly on um, these forest fires uh, is because Uh, predictably, uh, Trudeau and others here on our side of the border are using those forest fires um, as an argument uh, to promote the climate change agenda. Uh, I'm not going to say a lot about that, but I can say in this case, uh, Canada has um, a history older than uh, this republic uh, of having massive forest fires long before the Industrial Revolution uh, that did tremendous damage to um, our country. And what's interesting about this particular incident is that it's, it's a politician-made disaster. It's the special place in hell that Trudeau created was a product of neglect in terms of, of sound forest management practices in the Canadian wild, and this is what we get. And the irony here and the economics of climate change are are really difficult because what the, the essence of the climate change agenda is to force us here in the United States to dramatically decrease carbon emissions at great cost, despite the fact we're the most efficient nation in the world when it comes to using energy. And meanwhile, we let other countries like China and India just off the hook. And But here's the irony. It's like Canada is creating far more carbon dioxide emiss- emissions this summer with its wildfires than it has saved in the last 10 years trying to deal with the climate change. So just Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Trudeau. Special place in hell for you, sir. All right, now, um, do me a favor. Pull in the uh, digital yuan clip, which is what I really want to talk about today. Some of Steve's uh, talked a lot about. Uh, Throw that on if you can, Denver. If you think about the benefits of digital money, there are huge potential gains. It's not just about uh, digital forms of physical currency. You can have programmability. You know, um, units of central bank currency with expiry dates, you could have, as I argue in my book, a potentially better and yeah, some people might see it, or a darker world where the government decides that units of central bank money can be used to purchase some things, but not other things that it deems less desirable. The Chinese government could set up a whole lot of things to have your currency maybe valid or invalid based on its own priorities. This is almost like handing over the keys to your business or to your finance department in some ways because you really can't control what at the end of the day may happen with the, the funds that you're holding. All right. So that wasn't a mistake having that little uh, ad for the substack at the end. I I bundled that together with this whole digital yuan thing because uh, I just released uh, a new article on the substack, which deals with with the Orwellian dangers um, of the yuan. Now, Steve has talked a lot about this. There's been a lot lot of action. So, what I'd like to do for you um, is kind of deconstruct how we do things here in a way. So we have that clip. You start off with kind of the globalist Davos perspective, this guy like pimping these uh, digital currencies as a good thing um, when, in fact, uh, they can be a very bad thing. And that's that's uh, the next gentleman that comes on kind of makes that point. And so... Um, in this this article in the Substack, I want to walk you through, kind of deconstruct it. What what, what the way to think about this, uh, and this goes back to my days in the White House, uh, worrying about this. Um, we have a system now where the United States is the world, what they call the world's reserve currency, which is to say that nations around the world. When they have their, they hold foreign reserves, which is a which is a natural thing they have to do to kind of pay off transactions and things like that. Most of it's dollars, like sixty percent of the world's foreign reserves are in the U.S. dollar. So we are the world's dollar reserve. So that's one piece of the puzzle. And then there's a second piece, which is called the SWIFT system, and this is the system whereby all these Financial institutions operating across nations uh, are able to transparently clear their transactions in dollars and uh, yen and euros and things like that through the SWIFT system. And, and one of the one of the benefits uh, of the dollar being a reserve currency is it creates this high demand for the dollar that lowers our interest rates and mortgage rates. That's a good thing. But the demand for the dollar also increases the value of the dollar. And this used to drive me nuts in the Trump White House. I'd be sitting with the boss in the Oval with guys like Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, the National Economic Council Director Kudlow, and they're talking about king dollar and loving it. But the reality is a strong dollar, a strong dollar stronger than it would otherwise be, um, basically just pumps the hell out of our trade deficit because it makes imports cheaper and our exports dearer, more, less competitive. And so effectively, king dollar, a strong dollar, because we're the world's reserve currency, among other things, um, exports our factories and jobs. So it's like, it's very much a double-edged sword, okay? But that's the economics of it. The geopolitics are far more interesting. Because we're the reserve currency and because we have overriding influence over this SWIFT system, we're able to impose financial sanctions on countries and on companies dealing with countries in ways which are designed to stop or discourage certain behaviors. Like we put sanctions on Putin's Russia – Uh, to stop them from getting into the Ukraine. We put them on after China took Hong Kong. We put them on Iran when they do the nukes, um, trying to nuke Israel. But the problem is, and again, I go back to my Trump White House days. I'm in the White House and say, hey, we can't keep doing this because what they're doing is getting ready to evade the sanctions by making their own currency the reserve currency. They're trying to displace this. Steve Bannon has talked a lot about this. That's what they're doing now. And the the, the issue here is the dollar is still dominant if you look at the aggregate statistics. But as I explained on the Substack, what China's strategy is, is to focus on a smaller block of nations. For example, Russia now, I, I think a third of its reserves are in, in, in yuan alone. And so... Just having the, the the Chinese yuan more and more in countries like Russia Iran Iraq are good buddies in France not are good buddies in India not Argentina uh, Bangladesh what what this does is it's creating this separate block of countries that are immune from sanctions okay but but Here's the bigger punchline. What the digital yuan does is it takes it up a notch. It's basically a way that the Central Bank of China, working with the Ministry of State Security, can basically track, surveil, and trace every single transaction that's made with digital yuan, not just inside its borders, but outside its borders, not just with Chinese citizens, but also with foreign companies and foreign nations. And right off the bat, you should see how dangerous it is because if a citizen inside China protests about the Chinese government in any way, they can have their money literally shut off just in, in a heartbeat. Um, if any Chinese outside the U.S. that are uh, using the digital d engage in dissident type of behavior, same rules apply. If a foreign country Or if a foreign company decides to have some kind of policy or make some kind of remarks about how Chinese policy and human rights abuses in Xinjiang province or their crushing of Hong Kong or they're going after Taiwan or Christians or anything, China can use that. So the admonition here, the 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 PeterNavar.substack.com, take a look at it you can you you can see that we need a policy here. Biden doesn't have one, Congress doesn't have one. I can assure you that candidate and soon to be president Trump will have one, but the policy has to be that we simply can't afford for have the world to transact in this digital currency with the Chinese Communist Party because it is, is is a road straight to hell. All right. Um, show me the two shot here. Can you show me this empty chair? Yeah, this empty chair is going to be filled with one of the few living people here, besides Steve Bannon, who has helped and been, I would say, primarily responsible for electing a U.S. president in their lifetime. He's going to be sitting right in that chair with us and he's going to talk about president trump and and they we're going to do the campaign landscape so stay right here for the esteemed dick morris peter k navarro and for stephen k bannon you are in the war room we'll be right back